Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Bucknuts Happy Hour, the Ohio State podcast where we like to have a little bit of fun while we talk Buckeye football. Probably start talking some Buckeye basketball, but we got to get through this season first. And we've got plenty to talk about today. Got an exciting show for you guys. We're going to talk about the Buckeyes heading into the uh, Peach Bowl. I almost said the Fiesta Bowl because that's where they tend to go for these games. The Peach Bowl against Georgia. Keep keep discussing that game. And, and in the second half of the show, we're going to talk some NIL. I know that's been a hot topic for everyone involved in college sports these days, but we'll do that a little bit later here. Thanks for joining us. If you are watching this on the live stream, if you're listening live or you're listening after the fact on the podcast, like, subscribe, all that, it does good stuff for us. So let's get to it. I'm going to bring in two guests today joining the happy hour. One will be familiar with all of you. That is Tim Hall from 97.1 The Fan. He's been at the happy hour quite a bit. And the other, former Buckeye National Champion, Tyvis Powell, joining us today. Look at that. Tyvis, Tyvis is bringing the dance moves. Oh, <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. How's it going, both of you? Hey, Tyvis. What's up, buddy? 
You know, man, just getting ready to cover uh, Tim's show tonight, you know, yeah. while taking his vacation, you know. Wonderful world of the Buckeyes. We get, to, I think we get to work together a little bit next week, Tyvis. A little Christmas present for oh, all yeah. the fine people out there. I mean, yeah. what more would anybody want, right? We won't be at our normal time, though. We'll be earlier in the day. We're moving up, Tim. We have a we have a Friday show because Rothman and Ice will both be out on some holiday PTO. So uh, we'll do the 12 to 3 a week from today. So that'll be fun. Here's what I'm going with today, Pat. Switching it up from the brew and going with a little whiskey. I'm actually sitting here at my wet bar to do the uh, the Zoom podcast with you. So that's where we are. A little bit nice. of a pour there. I feel like Bo, I feel like Bo Bishop getting into some of the <laughs> scotch. It's actually a scotch whiskey is what this is. It's not a bourbon. It's a scotch. So... Uh, still yeah. uh, fueling off the Scotland trip this summer. You know, you get to the end of the year, you think about the things you've done and all the fun you've had uh, covering the Buckeyes through the, I mean, you think about earlier in the year, 2022 in the NCAA tournament, losing to Villanova and then ramping up spring football. The off season's always really quick. I, I feel, I feel like we're almost already to Christmas next year. That's how fast it'll go. I'm looking at got. I've got my chalkboard brackets actually in the basement here that it never goes off of the NCAA tournament. It just stays. So you got KU beating North Carolina there. I mean, we'll be we'll be to March Madness before we know it. Spring football, then a little bit of a summer vacay. Football season will be here, and then Christmas in 2023. So the whole year's over, basically. <laughs> you are you are going way too fast, man. He definitely down. is. Let's take it one at a time. Why Let's don't start you? With, why didn't you do the the CFP bracket on your wall? It's not big enough. It's not a big enough bracket. It's just four teams. Maybe wow. when they when they when they kick it to twelve, then we'll probably do the bracket up there. On that'll, the that's a, that'll be interesting to see. I, I, I need to come over and see you actually put that up on the wall. We'll have to do like some video breakdowns. <laughs> Maybe we can do a. Maybe we can do like a a bracket, a projection bracket up there, line down the middle, then the real bracket on the other side. That's so pretty do, cool. Kind of do like my – yeah. There, in Timmy's basement, breaking down the bracket. Yeah. There was the Obama bracket, and then the more famous one will be <laughs> the one that will be done here. New tradition. Mm. Well, let's just look – a little ahead to, to this year's game before we go to next year and, and two years from now, go to hell. Timmy, you and I have talked about it quite a bit. And so I want to get Tyvis's perspective as somebody who's gone through mm. this college football playoff situation. I know it's different. Ryan Day's not Urban Meyer, but Tyvis, what are the Buckeyes doing right now? What 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 is kind of the ramp up to the playoff? If, well, when you were there? so when we were there, we broke ours down into three phases. Uh, the first phase was kind of the the play around phase. You know, it's like the intro to to whoever we were playing. So if it was Bama, it was the intro to Bama. And that phase wasn't really taken that seriously. We, we actually played Buckeye ball, which is like speed ball. We was having fun. People switched jerseys. I had all like Joey Bosa's jersey for practice. It was just fun, you know. Obviously, it'd be some periods, you know, where we would install certain game plans that we're going to do for the team that we're playing. So I would I would imagine they're introducing it. Uh, the second phase is the phase like right before 
like Chris, right before you go on like your Christmas break and stuff like that, you know, obviously things pick up a little bit more, you know, it's still a little bit laid back, but for the most part, you're, you're really starting to get into the nitty, the nitty gritty of the game plan. Um, and then the third phase is where it's game time. It's game week. Like everything is serious now and everybody's locked in and focused. So if that's where, if they're continuing to do it that way right now, they kind of having a little bit of fun, but Obviously, with the circumstances that they have and what the world is saying about them, I think they picked theirs up a little bit so they didn't have too much fun. They're pretty much focused because that's what they need to be for this task that's at hand. Yeah, it's obviously a, a different scenario. You guys beat Michigan in 2014. You you won the Big Ten, something this team didn't do. Can you imagine that week that these guys just went through of kind of sitting and waiting watching Michigan in the Big Ten championship game and then waiting till that Sunday to find out if you – because you guys knew you were in. You just didn't know no. for sure where. Whoa. You knew you, you, knew no, you were we in. No, we did not. We was on the outside. We, it was kind of like their situation. We was on the outside looking in, and then we just so happened to get in on the next day. We didn't know because TCU had won their thing. So it was like it was us or TCU. Was and it really – TCU played that Saturday, right? It just wasn't a yeah, championship yeah. game. They adjusted their their schedule. Yeah, I think yeah, it was they something like that. Game. Yeah, yeah, and they, I think they won by forty or fifty. They might have beat Iowa State, but you guys with the fifty nine nothing. I mean, that's yeah. what it, it was still close though because they close. dominated their game as well. So we, you really had no idea. I remember having you know nerves about it. We were, I think we were on the air. It was back in the days of the fantasy football show on our station with the announcement still being right there at noon. So coming up on one o'clock kickoffs and just seeing that and just the absolute excitement. It's, there's some, it's like you said, Pat, there's some similarities. There's obviously some, some differences with this. No yeah. two situations are exactly the same, but the fact that the Buckeyes are in as the four seed taking a loss in the regular season and having a, a second shot to you know get the ultimate goal. You're not going to get every goal that you wanted. You're going to miss a couple of them, but the ultimate goal could help to ease that pain with not getting the first two that you were after. What do you think motivationally these guys need, if anything? I mean, you guys knew going in, okay, we're playing Alabama. This this is the Giants. Similar situation here, but you add yeah. in the lack of a Big Ten championship game, a lack of beating Michigan. They didn't want to talk when we talked to them this week about the possibility of playing Michigan again, but – from from your experience playing that number one team that, that no one's really given you a shot on, what what is the motivation going on inside that building as well? Well, the motivation should be that we know that we're good. I mean, we're in, like I say, the greatest speech I've ever heard. Well, one, it, I won't say it's the greatest speech I've ever heard, but it was one of those speeches that somebody said that stuck with you. And it was when Curtis Grant said in the and before we played Alabama, we was all in the locker room. Obviously, everybody's fired up. But he was saying, like, we're here for a reason. Like, we're in this. They put us in here for a reason. God put us in this situation for a reason. And I kind of alluded to it when I tweeted it out yesterday. Like, y'all made this isn't this isn't just luck. Like, y'all didn't luck into this. Like, destiny put you into this 4C for a reason because they believe fate believes that you actually have a chance to, to do something special. And when you get counted out like that, obviously – when I when we were there, it was different. When, I mean, when we were ever seen as an underdog, it was laughable because of the players that we had and the talent that we had. Same thing in their case. It's like laughable that they are 
well, obviously Georgia has been dominant this season and Alabama was dominant the season that we were playing, but it was like, we know we're as good as anybody. And this would be the ultimate test to go out there and show that. And I just remember going out there and, and in that game, you know, obviously we were down at halftime, but it was it was funny because it was like our offense was driving, they just not scoring. So it it was the confidence booster that we need. And I think that's what this team needs to see. If they get out there and find that they can actually have some success against that defense, because that's the thing that Georgia scares everybody. It's their defense, is their how great their defense is, and they stop these high power offenses and stuff like that. If they find a way to to make some have some success on offense against Georgia's defense, then that will be the confidence that they need and they can go and take off. Jimmy, we touched a little bit on it last week. Just your confidence of, of this team going against, as as Tyvis just mentioned, the Georgia defense, but this team as a whole. I mean, there, there was an intro finalist on that offensive side of the ball. Debate it what you will. Uh, what's your confidence level headed into this? I know we're still a couple weeks out, but at this point, I think I'm going to be – I'll probably get close to a five by the time the the game comes around. I mean, by, by all means, I, I do think Georgia is the favorite in this football game. Tyvis, I know you'll, you're such a positive Buckeye guy. You'll, you'll think I'm crazy for, for feeling that. But <laughs> nah, everybody's go, everybody feels that way. And they rightfully so. Like I said, Georgia's had a great season. They've dominated everybody. The, yes, biggest, okay, good. Yeah. the biggest competition, the closest competition that they had that we've seen was when they played Tennessee in their high-powered offense, and they shut them down. So you're right. To, everybody's right to think what they think. Yeah, so I'm I'm right about mid-level, and I think for being an underdog in a football game, that's a decent place to be. Ohio State's got to – is the team that, that has to go out there and prove it. You know, like like we talked about, Georgia finally went 13-0. and This is something that they haven't done. They're the defending national champ. Stetson Bennett is just one of those quarterbacks that – he's got moxie, you know? Like, it's not like – you know, you, we could question did he deserve to make the trip to New York City – you almost feel like they kind of grooved one for him just to, to give him the trip. But obviously the guy's sort of a heart and soul football player of that program now coming from a walk on to, you know, smoking the cigar after a national championship win. So he's got that going for him. And he's certainly just a guy that can make timely plays. And they really are a true balanced attack. You know, they can run it. They can throw it. They protect the passer very well. They, they block in the run game very well. And then that defense is awfully stingy in the run game. And so we know that Travion Henderson's going to be out. I don't know how many Buckeye fans were really going to be counting on him being 100% anyway. And I do think maybe some of our minds should change a little bit about how we we were, I mean, not just critical. There are people just kicking Travion Henderson to the curb. I mean, there were people that just wanted him gone. And the guy was, you know, playing through a, a broken bone the entire year. Maybe some people still say, oh, tough. That's football. If you're out there, you got to go. But I know we've seen that guy be a physical back before. We used to always just give the credit to Mayan Williams, but we'll see what Ohio State can can muster up in that run game. I think we've talked. We know that they need to do something, but ultimately you want to get back there and be who you are. So this should be a really fun opportunity for C.J. Stroud to get on the grandest stage after that ugly loss to Michigan, and he should get you know 40 to 50 passing attempts. If they're smart, I think they should get back there and dial it up. Throw, let if, the, 
That offensive line got a hold, though. That's the thing. Because that, that Jalen Carter, he's legit. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. If this offensive line can find can find the time to give to CJ, I think he can dice up their secondary. Because I take our receivers over their DBs any day. I think their DBs yeah. actually thrive because of how great that defensive line is, which rightfully so. It, I mean, it was it's that's a DB's best friend is D line that can get home like that and cause that pressure. So if that offensive line can find a way to protect for CJ, those receivers are willing and capable of making those plays, and it can make it a very interesting game. Yeah, you're right. The the pass rush is something, so you're going to have to get up the field quick, and I like hitting the seams. I, I would love to see lots of targets for Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, especially whenever you're getting one-on-one -on -one coverage with Marvin. Just let the thing fly, you know, just give give him an opportunity. Think about what the Rose Bowl numbers look like for Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's no reason Marvin, as good as he is, shouldn't have an opportunity to do something like that when, and I think Tyvis, as you broke it down, that is the, the strength versus weakness for Ohio State's offense versus Georgia's defense. Tyvis, you, you obviously played at this level in the secondary there's been a lot of complaints about what happened with the Buckeye secondary these last few games. Oh. You've looked at those. You've looked at those games. What What do you see? What's What's kind of your analysis? I, I know you're not jail, so your job isn't to fix it. But what's your analysis of kind of what's gone on with this secondary? Maybe the second half of the season, really, in, in some of those bigger games. Well, in the well, go take it to the team up north game. I think in those situations, you know, if you're if you're going to call cover zero. You know, you have to be smart. You know, you have to cover zero is something that you really believe that your pass rush is going to get there. So you're pretty much aggressive on any on any routes, because if they run run route, they shouldn't be able to, like, break off. Like, so if he running a hitch, he shouldn't be able to run a hitch and go, because by the time he runs the go, quarterback should be getting hit in the mouth. I think at some point, like for the for the first touchdown on Cam Brown. I think he ended yeah. up running like a stop route or something like that. Cam was in – if they were in zero, Cam should have been very aggressive on that. He should have – and it was like, to me, he kind of played a little passive. He let him catch it, then let him make a move. Like, no, you got to be aggressive on those routes because the quarterback is not going to have time to, to, to look at that, look away, look back. Like, that's not going to happen. So I think you have to understand – you know, how coverage ties in with the blitz. And for some odd reason, I think that wasn't communicated in that one. Now, on the other one where they ran the uh, the deep corn post, the corner post route, the one that, you know, it looked like it, it was a great route, but I do believe that it was a coverage bust because the way it looks when I went back and watched the play, it looks like everybody was playing cover two, but it looked like Lathan was the only one who was playing man in that. So I think it was some type of uh, miscommunication in the secondary, which led to those big plays. So to me, you know, you got people that's not aggressive when the ball. And I've been saying it all year on the Buckeye show. I talk to Tim about it all the time. Like these corners have to have in their mind when the ball goes in the air, you can't play to lose. You have to play to win. Be aggressive. The ball goes in the air. It's your ball. Go get it. But to me, it seems like they're so busy trying to be in the right position and stuff like that where they're not playing the ball as well. And I think that's what's, what's causing something in some of these plays happen. When we were there, like when the ball went up, it was our ball. We knew how to play the ball. You know, these guys, it's like they never played wide receiver before in their life or something because when the ball goes up, it's like they get nervous or something. So I think they need to calm down and, you know, just make a play on the ball, whether that's a PBU or a pick. You know, get in position and make the play. When you look at a guy like Stetson Bennett, who 
you know, obviously was not the highest level of recruit, but has proven at the highest level that he can get it done. A guy like J.J. McCarthy who can move around in the pocket, can pick up some yards with his legs, not the speed of J.J. McCarthy or the arm strength, but as a, as a player in the secondary, how does that change things when you also have to have a quarterback taken off, getting out of the pocket? You know, I know that obviously changes what receivers do. How, how does that affect what you're doing back there? Well, first of all, as a DB, I hate going against mobile quarterbacks because of the fact that your coverage is it goes from four seconds to, to eight seconds. You know, it's you, you go from checking a hitch route to a hitch and go or a post to a post comeback or stuff like that. So I always hated going against mobile quarterbacks. Just when you go against a mobile quarterback and the play breaks down, you have to be very sticky in coverage. You know, you have to grab onto that guy. Don't do it long enough to get a hold, but you want to grab a little bit just to get make sure you got him. And you just don't even look back at the quarterback anymore. It's all about that guy for the rest of the play and making a play on that but on the ball when it's in the air. Um, and that's where when I look at Stetson, you know, Stetson is one of those guys. If I was playing him, I would respect what he is because obviously this is a national championship quarterback. You know, this is a guy who, you know, people said last year, oh, he can't make the throws. He can't get things done. And he goes out there and he looks amazing against teams. So you will, you respect him for that. <laughs> Pat, this is Tyvis's daytime life. Anybody, anybody that doesn't know. Yes. So, so I would respect him. I would respect him for that reason. Um, but I'm still going to be, it's, it's about us. That's the thing. It's about us. I don't, I don't, I don't fear Georgia's receivers, um, but then again, it wasn't a lot of receivers I feared this year anyways against the Buckeyes. So I'm going out there and making plays, trying to keep everything in front of me. I think that's the biggest issue in our secondary. So many times we give up the explosive plays. Go play. Go play. <laughs> So many times we give up the explosive play and we need to worry about keeping the ball in front of us, keeping keeping these receivers in front of us and staying deeper than the deepest. I think if you can make if you could turn these drives, it's the Bill Belichick rule. If you can make these drives go from instead of a four play drive, you make it a 12 play or a 13 play drive. And some point in them 13 plays, that offense, somebody's going to jump off sides. It's going to be a holding call. You might get a pick. Something might happen in 13 plays. But if you if you shorten them to four to five. Obviously, that's not enough time. So it's about making the offense earn everything, and that's what this secondary needs to do. Tyvis, I like your daughter trying to barge in on your hit here. I think you're going to have another talker in the house. Well, she does. She, she's been doing that. For some odd reason, when I get on these these things, she's for some odd reason, finds it very interesting to come over here and get on all of them. So she's been stealing my sign for about a month well, now. Well, I mean, she, she sees how much fun you're having. It's like, why why can't I have that fun too? You're well, the good thing, what, what a good thing, the good thing is, Tim, is she'll be able to talk football with the best of them because she'll get sick and tired of hearing me talk about it. That she'll at least learn some things. And when she gets older, she might, she might tell the, she might tell a DB, hey, you doing this wrong. <laughs> Well, as as long as she learns how to play the football, that's really that's the only. That thing. is very that's very important, Tim. Yeah. That's a very important thing. <laughs> I saw somebody back there uh, in the comments section, Pat, write about Georgia's defensive scheme. Tyvis, I would kick that to you. What are uh, I know you you play defense, but clearly you've had to study and and know really what kind of defense is good against certain route concepts. So if you were, if you were scheming this offensively going up against quarters, which 
of course, Ohio State used to run. And that's, a, that, that's it, all they it, used to do. Well, so, so it's, a de- it, it's a defense that can get beat just like any other defense. It's just yeah. different ways, different ways to do it. So if you're Marvin and Emeka and Cade Stover and gosh, who's who Julian Fleming, you know, you know, our, our third wide receiver. What are you trying to do to uh to so, get some plays on that and get so, the ball out fairly quick? And the quarters concept, the thing that everybody loves to do is you really want to attack your safeties and you want to put the corners in a bind. So the way we ran quarters when we were there, we ran like a pattern match type thing, meaning after about, I say about 10 yards, routes pretty much declare and you match up the, the, the route that's in your zone. It basically turns into man for anybody after 10 yards. So the way that we would get attacked was you get a lot of number two to the flats because those are the linebackers and you want to put your speed guys at the two position you know if he runs a, a out route obviously the linebackers might not be quick enough you get the ball in his hand he make the linebacker miss now things can be dangerous so that's a way to pick up five to six yards another thing you want to do is after if you're going to do that you want to run more of a smash concept smash concept is where you get the hitch by number one and you get the corner route by number two what that does is it, it puts the corner in the bind and now you hollow in the corner because now the uh the either gonna if he's gonna sit on the hitch route, you hit you hit the corner route right behind him because the safety is is that that's a tough tat a tough tat. Trust me, I, I'm speaking from experience. Covering them several routes <laughs> is very hard to do out of the post. So you'll you'll be you'll be likely to get that done. And then you'll get the uh my favorite concept. Now, this is my favorite one, and this is the one that you gotta be advanced and safety to to cover this, which it actually happened in my Virginia Tech 2015 game when I made my pick. I studied this concept. So what you do is you take number two and you run a 10-yard dig, right? And then you take number one and you run a post. So it's a post with a dig. And if that safety jumps the 10-yard dig, now you got one-on-one post route with the corner and the receiver. And that's just whoever's faster to the ball. But the only way to beat that is that Georgia safety has to drop the dig and let the linebacker pick it up and then turn to the post. That one is very tricky. And like I say, you have to be very advanced to know that. I love it, man. That's that's great. That's great. Let I mean, me, you want let me ask you. No, go ahead, Pat. Well, no, if you had a question, go ahead. I want I have one I want to finish off with before you have to get so No, ahead. I was gonna say that's it's beautiful to hear Tyvis break down, you know, just the X's and O's that way. I love I love listening to it. That's why you're great, man. The uh I think this the same gentleman who p- posed that up there. I think you look at the crossing patterns too, right? If you're gonna have your your inside receivers, your slot mm-hmm. receivers run yeah. mesh, that's something that Meshes meshes work, but it's a the thing with meshes fusion always helps. The thing with meshes is that it's since it's a zone, everybody will back up, so you won't get any rub effects. Meshes is really effective when they're playing man because you can get somebody to get bumped off when it's zone. Everybody kind of goes to their zone, and if the mesh comes to your zone, you just pick it up out of that. So it'll be a guy waiting there. You could pick up a good three yards, but that that receiver is going to take a hit every time. Let me ask you guys this. I got asked this on our 247 Sports uh, you know, national show the other day with our, our Georgia guys. Timmy, I'll start with you. If you have an X factor for this game, be it a position group, an individual player, whatever it may be, what do you think What do you think that would be for the Buckeyes in this one? Oh, good question. Offense offense or defense, I take yeah, it right here. And I, I, I go back to – the same guy that I had pegged for the Michigan game because 
the type of game this is going to be where when I saw the commenter earlier on in, in the podcast say it's going to be about physicality and toughness too. In addition to just what we, what we talked about of how Ohio state's offense can exploit Georgia's defense. We already, we already know Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka. And uh, you know, I guess you could throw a, a third wide receiver like a Julian Fleming up there for possibility, but I'll go back to uh, our guy that got snubbed in the National Linebacker Awards, and that's Tommy Eichenberg. I mean, I, I feel like if, if Ohio State's going to win this game, if they're going to be successful, they're going to have to get critical stops on third down. A lot of times they're going to have to come up with, you know, third and one stops, third and two stops to uh, get off the field and, and get the football back. And that means your star middle linebacker clogging the A-gap and meeting somebody and cracking somebody right in the chest with his face mask. So – that's going to be what it's about for for 35. I think he's going to have to have a huge game, you know, a 10 to 12 tackle minimum kind of football game if Ohio State's going to win this one. Titus, what about you? You know, I'm going to go with a guy who's who's been he's been quiet, but he's been very productive. You know, it, it, he doesn't make the the fancy and the explosive plays but he's a guy that does his job correctly. You very, very seldomly see him out of position or not seeing him make the plays that come his way. And I think that in this type of game, you need a guy like that to, yes, he needs to do his job, but I think he needs to be the one who makes the play because he's going to actually have some type of big task. And I'm going with Ronnie Hickman because of the fact that, you know, they got they love to use their tight ends. Georgia loves yeah. their tight ends. And I think Ronnie Hickman is a guy who can play the tight ends very well. Um, if he can slow down his if he can slow down them tight ends and maybe even, you know, force a turnover by getting a pick or I don't know, punching the ball out or something like that. I think he could be a guy that flies under this radar who nobody really talks about a lot, but he is very productive. I think that he needs to be uh, having a, a really good game to uh, put them over the top in this Georgia versus Georgia. Tim, are you surprised at all that Titus picked the safety? To, uh, <laughs> well, no, Pat, that's not shocking. But he, he backs it up. He has good reasoning with that, too. And oh. Rocket was such a stud last year leading the team in tackles on a poor defense. So it's kind of one of those types of situations. And he's He's been he's been pretty good. He's had, right, he's had right. great games, and then he's had some some really okay games. And nobody had a good game against Michigan on that defense. So there's that. So it's it's definitely a rebound type of performance too. And you're hoping, at least I'm hopeful, that because of what it was, and you heard guys talking about it, and you know not crying or not using excuses anymore about Michigan. How you got to put that in the past, but pride should matter a big deal for this one right Tyvis the last yeah. time you played football it was ugly you can't go out like that especially for guys that are going to wear that Buckeye uniform for the last time that performance in the back end against Michigan cannot be the last thing that runs through people's minds so even if you lose this game there has to be a different type of dial it up meter to where if you get beat you were right there doing everything you could to make the play. You weren't mm -hmm. just posted by somebody or out of position. And, you know, hopefully a guy like Rocket is is primed and ready to make some some big plays. A lot of different guys are going to have to do that in this football game. All right, Tim, I know you got to go pick your son up from school. Tyvis, you got kids running around all over it. <laughs> Let's wait. 
Just wait till they get a mouth on them, Tyvis. They it's do. What's me? My, my oldest, she, she talks up a storm. Yeah, yeah, but it gets better. It gets better. Yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> Look, looking <laughs> forward to it, too. little thing called Thanks. You'll See. Thanks, both of you guys. I appreciate your time. I know you're both busy. I think this was good, informative. Tim, Tyvis made us a little better today, don't you think? He's not a he's not a happy hour guy, but he brings something different to the happy smoothie. Look, listen, I had a little little strawberries, pineapples, and peach with pineapple juice. Woo! I thought about stopping and getting some lemonade for you. Star of the show. I got some of that in the refrigerator too. I'm about to crack that open. Listen, I'm getting I'm getting wild tonight. (laughs) Hey, just happy to be here. Thanks, boys. All right, y'all. Tyvis, I'll talk to you tonight on the Buckeye Show. Timmy, I'll talk to you whenever I talk to you. See you guys. All right, now we're going to shift a little bit to a topic that uh, has been on most Buckeye fans' minds, college football mind, the NIL and Ohio State situation in it. And to do that, to to talk about that, we're going to bring in Jay Book, who Jonah Booker, who I know many of you who have – followed around with these podcasts that we do on Bucknuts. And if you're on the Bucknuts forums, you know J-Book. If you're on Twitter, you probably know J-Book. Jonah, how are we doing today? What's up, Pat? How you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I wanted to talk NIL anyway. And then I responded to your tweet this morning and uh, saw all the responses to it. So I figured getting you on here to kind of – we can go back and forth on this. I want to just get – for those of the people that maybe aren't on Twitter, aren't don't follow this closely. Can you kind of recap what you've kind of been putting out there on social media recently? And I know you've been doing a lot of it about Ohio State and the NIL situation. Yeah. So basically, you know, high level, not to go into every single thing, because every day it seems like something new is popping up. Basically, it's been a call to arms uh, from the top up at Ohio State to say, hey, we need some help here. A A lot of fans are reluctant. They don't understand the NCAA rules. Um, Ohio State cannot donate directly from the collective. They can't take any any type of revenue proceeds. This all has to be either booster or fan driven. Uh, Basically, the way the NCAA has turned a blind eye, they've put the the onus on the fans, the boosters, everybody to say, hey, if you want to have any type of NIL collective, it has to come from you guys directly. It cannot come from the school. Last week, uh, I believe, yeah, last week, Gene Smith sent out a tweet asking fans to donate to the three collectives. Uh, Happened today, Gene Smith did an interview uh, with Austin Ward, Bill Landis, basically saying, you know, expressing his views on the NIL situation where he came out and said, yes, Ohio State is behind. One of the things that caught a lot of people's attention uh, was Gene Smith saying he doesn't necessarily feel comfortable asking current boosters who donate to the athletic department to allocate funds towards the NIL collectives. He would much rather have a one-on-one conversation with those particular boosters and explain to them the ramifications if they were to pull some of their funds that were headed directly to the athletic department and just kind of have some back and forth dialogue. Uh, so a lot of, you know, a lot of people complain that the Ohio State Athletic Department and the NIL collectives are kind of at heads right now. A lot of people believe that there's some roadblocks that are being put in place as far as the foundation. And so it's making it a little tricky situation because, as Ryan Day has said with you guys, Pat, you know, it started off that NIL was 
you know, somewhat of a frequent conversation with recruits. It started to pick up a little bit of steam. Now we're in a situation to where that is a hot topic amongst recruits. And Ohio State feels like they are not where they need to be to compete with the SEC. Yeah, I think you broke that down perfectly. I went back and listened after after you posted that to the the podcast you're talking about with with the guys over at Rivals, and it's it's interesting because after that last press conference with Ryan Day that we had, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, Gene Smith was kind of standing out in the hall, and a few of us stood there and talked to him about this NIL stuff. And look, his situation is this: he's the athletic director at Ohio State, not just football, right? So he's right. got to raise money for all of these sports. And Ohio State has, I think, 36 sports. And two of them make money. The others come off donations and, and, and you know, the, the two programs that do make money. So I think there is some perspective what Gene Smith is saying. Look, most of the SEC schools have 14, 16 sports that they're, they're funding. A lot of – I mean, I, think, I believe Ohio State and Texas are the top two in terms of number of sports that they have in their athletic department. And the way Gene Smith put it, and I have not seen the, the numbers, so I can't say for sure if he's right or wrong here, but I'm going to trust him is that the, the big TV deal that just came out that's, that's going to start, that money has pretty much already been spoken for in terms of where they're budgeting down the road. And, and the way he put it was, look, travel expenses go up 6 to 7% every year. And that's not just football. That's women's lacrosse. That's you know any sport you have here that's going to have to travel. And now you're going to start having to travel across the country more because you're going to have USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. So you're going to have further flights and things like that. So they've got to account for all that. And this, this money that, that comes in through the TV revenue, through ticket sales, through merchandise, usually is already spoken for before we even come in the door. And that these boosters that have donated for years and years and years have helped fund kind of the, the rest of that stuff. And, and he pointed out they're still in a deficit from the COVID year where they didn't have any ticket sales for any of their sports and, and like that didn't have people come into games. And so I think it's just such a tricky situation because we don't, as fans, as, as even journalists, don't look at it from the, the big picture, biggest picture point of view. I don't think, I think we think football, we want Ohio state to be the best team on the field. So they need to recruit at the best level, but there is some other things that Gene Smith has to consider, right? Where, when he's, telling people, you know, where to send their money. Cause there's so much money that people are going to donate is my understanding. What do you make of, of that whole situation? I understand that point of view. Um, and, you know, I'll try to speak, you know, for what I've seen, the frustration yeah. amongst the fans, and then just kind of give my take. The frustration that I'm seeing from the fans on my Twitter and a lot of the feedback is Ohio State football is your bread and butter. If you're going to make sure that this is a, a product that's going to be competing at a high level, you need to be able to have all hands on deck. The difference that we're seeing from Ohio State compared to the SEC schools is everyone down there are rowing in the right direction. What you see at Ohio State is it's a lot of confusion. It's a lot of uh, people not understanding what they're doing. Um, you have battling collectives right now. And I understand all of that uh, in regards to trying to fund all of the other sports. But what the people are saying is ticket prices are going up, concessions going up, you're charging a boatload to parking, you're pricing out just the average fans. On top of that, now you're going to turn around and ask us to help donate. 
when the university is raking in millions of dollars. What some fans are asking is saying, hey, Gene, you don't need to split the baby 50-50, but if you can have those conversations with boosters to say, hey, 10% of this goes to the collectors, it will help a long way. You have your you know, high-profile football coach out there in front of the media, uh, the media begging for donations because he believes that they cannot keep up with the SEC. At the end of the day, Ohio State chose to have all of these sports yeah. They chose to operate in a manner to where they're not organized right now. We're eight months into this. There should be some type of groundwork, some type of framework uh, where everybody is in the right direction. What you have right now at Ohio State, you have Gene Smith and the athletic department have a complete view of the way things should operate. And then you actually have reality what's happening on the ground. What you're seeing, Pat, is situations to where their foundation is very frustrated with Ohio State and Gene because they feel like they're not getting the support. If you're going to say, hey, donate to the NIL, great, but they need to have the full backing of Gene. Even if Gene doesn't want to have those boosters allocate their funds, that doesn't mean that Gene can't help. It doesn't mean that Ohio State can't help. Um, and what I'm seeing is cease and desist letters have been going out to the foundation from what I've been hearing. Um, there's there's a lot of roadblocks that have been in, put in place with Brian and those guys. So the frustration amongst the fan is you're asking us to foot the bill, but you're not doing anything to really help these guys. What thing could Ohio State be doing? Like what's happening in the South that Ohio State should should or could be doing up here for people that haven't followed it as closely as you have? Yeah. So we've had the uh, the Florida CEO who's in charge of their uh, collective down there. And one thing that he mentioned was the athletic director and the football coach and the administration. Everybody is on the same page. So they're having daily conversations to say, hey, we need to do this, this and this. You got to have a foundation. You got to have a solid foundation to where there's fundraising going on from the grassroots. But you also have to be able to have those local businesses and the boosters um, who are donating to buy into it. Everyone in the South right now, as far as, you know, the grassroots, they're donating on an annual basis. You look at the Florida. From what I've been told, there's, you know, upwards to 300,000 fans that are donating on a monthly subscription. And that money is being turned around, used as far as an NIL collective. Ohio State just now today, as far as the foundation, have started their monthly type of subscription. The other aspect of it is they need help. Um, you know, you look at the, the ones in the South, they are uh, rooted and they are grounded as far as staff. Or, you know, you look at the foundation, you have Brian <laughs> and Cardell. Those guys are kind of, you know, working it on the side. You look at the Spire Group down at Tennessee. They have full-time W-2 employees. You look at uh, the Florida Collective. They have a staff of people. That's all that they work on. They're getting the push from the athletic department to say, hey, if you want to donate, go here. Um, they're help. They're helping out as much as possible. The foundation can't even get a donor list from Ohio State to know who to reach out to. Basically, the foundation is, is working off personal contacts that Brian and Cardell, those type of guys have developed amongst the community. So that's why they're trying to tap into uh, the grassroots with the fans. So Gene has an opportunity to help these guys. 
uh, where, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean like, hey, we need to take TV revenue and throw it towards the NIL collective, which would be nice. But Ohio State is very they Yeah, it would be very nice. Ohio State is extremely powerful. They have a lot of connections. Why not use those collections uh, connections to help your athlete? Because here's the here's the bottom line, Pat. The NIL collectives are designed to help Ohio State retain the their top athletes as well as bring in the top athletes in the country. If yeah. they're able to successfully do that, that means Ohio State will continue to have a major presence in college football and basketball. If that slips and they're not able to do that, then all of those donations that Gene is clamoring for from the athletic department, that's going to continue to be uh, reduced. You're going to start to see some of those Olympic sports take a step back because football is going to help feed a lot of those other programs. So I just think that Ohio State in general, between the collectives and the athletic department, they all need to get in a room, sit down iron out what the objectives are, what they want to do, how they're going to operate, and everyone needs to get on the same page right now because I do think that having three different type of collectives is a little redundant. It creates a lot of confusion amongst the fans to say, hey, who should I donate to? Who should I trust? But the most important thing is whoever you donate to, there needs to be transparency, Pat. There needs to be some type of transparency to say, I know where my funds are going to. This is how much that we have – um, you know, allocated so far towards these sports, these athletes, and this, and just keeping that open dialogue with the fan. Because if you want to extend a hand to the average Joe, uh, you know, Twitter follower, average Joe fan, they need to be able to justify where their money's actually going to. I think it's interesting because Ohio State has said from the beginning, you know, they're not going to do things that they think are, are going to be outside these rules that don't exist yet. You can right. pretty much do whatever with NIL as long as Ohio State isn't actually doing it. But if you talk to the guys in the program already, NIL's actually worked pretty well from the once you're on campus, these guys have gotten some pretty good. I mean, I hear commercials from Bradley Robinson, the long snapper on the local radio state. You know, like guys are getting money once they're here. I think what you're talking about, though, just to clarify for people, is the getting people here, getting those big recruits here that, that maybe they go somewhere else because of that money, not necessarily the guys that are already on campus. Am I right there? Right. And I always des- describe it, Pat, as it's a two front war. You got a, a war on the eastern front and a war on the western front. The war on the yeah. western front is the whole objective is to keep and retain your players to make sure they're happy, make sure that they have deals that are fair market value compared to the SEC schools. The, the war on the Eastern front that Ohio State is losing dramatically is having the funds to be able to go into the living room with a five-star kid that you're right there on the three-yard line and you're saying, hey, if you come here, we'll be able to provide you X, Y, Z. Ohio State is a little hesitant to cross that line because you're seeing so much you know, bidding going out there for these kids' services and rights and stuff. But it all boils down to cash. You know, right now they're talking about three and a half million dollars is all that they have raised amongst all of the collectives. When you're talking about 15, 20, 30 million dollars that some of these SEC schools and the oil tycoons are throwing towards the Texas schools. So it just kind of shows you the, the discrepancy that Ohio State is working with. You can you can have the best relationship possible, Pat. 
a kid can love Ohio State, visit numerous times. But if you have someone, you know, like a Georgia, like an Alabama that that walks into his living room and says, you're going to get developed here. You're going to have a legitimate chance to make it to the NFL. Oh, by the way, here's a half a million dollars to take any type of financial stress that you and your family may have. And Ohio State saying, yeah, you can come here. You're going to get developed. You're, you're going to have a shot to the NFL, but we're not going to do anything for you until you actually get on campus. That right there makes it a very tough decision for a lot of kids. It's going to work. Um, you know, numerous times you can look at the class that they currently have, but the fear is that the pitch may not hit home in the future when the majority of the teams are offering something up front to these kids when there are no rules that are being regulated. Um, you know, theoretically, NIL is supposed to be, hey, you come up here, you know, you get your local commercial, you make some cash, you know, you know, start a T-shirt brand, a hoodie brand, make some cash. But that has pretty much trended away is now what can you do for me? What can I do to get you on campus type of transactions that are taking place, especially down in Texas and uh, SEC territory? Well, it's worth pointing out, you know, Ohio State, obviously in the college football playoff. So the on-field results, Michigan game aside, still pretty good. And they have a five class coming in. I think you're more worried about down the road, right? Once, if this continues this way, money continues getting given out before kids get on campus. Is is that your concern more so, the, the future, than, than kind of what they're doing right now? I would say definitely the future. I mean, we have Brian on, on the Spaces show, and he said that's been his biggest concern right now. He said, yeah, you know, you look at this year's class, it's going to finish with a top five class, and that's great and all. But the concern amongst the coaches and uh, concern amongst, you know, the NIL collectors is this is not sustainable where we're at right now for the future. I know for a fact that Ohio State coaches, you know, they are – concern themselves about being able to go into the deep south, get some of those high-end prospects and convince them to come up to Columbus with a hope and a promise that once you get on campus, we'll have something for you. So the concern is, yes, what would a future hold? Will we be able to go toe-to-toe with the Alabamas, with the uh, Georgias, with the Texas schools, if we're not playing on the same playing field? And the the frustration amongst the fans and the frustration amongst the coaches is if the NCAA is not cracking down on this, if the NCAA doesn't care what's going on, why are we not playing in the same mud as everybody else? And that right. is some of the disconnect that you're seeing amongst the fans, the coaches and the administration and compliance at Ohio state right now, Ohio state, prefers to take a more collegial approach to this, similar to Michigan, Notre Dame's. Um, and they're just not used to being able to have this type of dialogue to where, hey, I'm willing to give XYZ kid this much cash just to come up here and play. I do believe, Pat, though, that Ohio State is scarred by the Jim Trestle area, uh, era and the compliance and NCAA issues because now they're so reluctant to be able to step up to that imaginary line that it may be a detriment to the program in the future. Yeah. Well, and you look at the compliance department at Ohio state, I think it's the biggest in the country and you're exactly right with the trestle stuff. They changed a lot after that. I know, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but there used to be an NCAA compliance 
a branch state that was in Columbus that formed after that stuff. Obviously not because of that. Columbus is a place that, that makes sense to have, you know, there's, there's a lot of football around here, but um, yeah, the, the compliance department is certainly looking at things in an old school way. And I've said that before, if, if there aren't rules, there's nothing to play by. I don't know why Ohio state continues to play by them. Just to clarify here, I think you'll be able to help answer this. Chad Streichler said, can the foundation or OSU line up sponsorships for local businesses to help get these five-star kids and the kids does commercials or whatever, or is OSU not willing to do that? I think, and tell me if I'm wrong here, OSU can't be involved in any of that. That's where the foundation comes in, correct? Well, it, it's kind of a gray area. No one is, is a moving target, you know, all the time because now you're starting to see that the schools can help as far as trying to set up deals for kids and providing them financial uh, advisors or whatnot. The foundation can absolutely do it. Uh, the problem that a lot of fans are asking is, can the school donate directly to these NIL collectives? Can the school take 10% of ticket sales and allocate that towards NIL? And that is where the NCAA is saying flat no. Now, when it comes to saying, hey, can, you know, five-star wide receiver from Florida come up here and he's interested in real estate. So we're going to set him up with an internship, a paid internship at a real major real estate company in Columbus. That is something that can be done. That's on the table. That's being discussed. And that's more of what Ohio state will actually prefer. Uh, but that right there is a hard sell in itself. Yeah, it sounds great. And to you and I, you know, that sounds like a, a wonderful opportunity. But if somebody just comes into your living room and says, here's 750, here's $500,000 of straight cash to, to come here, you know, that's going to make a kid think twice about where they're going to actually go. Yeah, that makes sense. You're, you're thinking about short term, long term stuff and frankly, some of these kids can do both and you have the opportunity to do both. Why would you not if you're a five-star kid that can get developed wherever, right? Like, right. you know, Alabama is going to develop you as well as Ohio State is, so why not take the money up front too, I guess is, is kind of the situation. Yeah, and the one thing I will say is I worry about a lot of these kids making a decision and based off cash and not actually getting developed, Pat. I mean, there's a lot of stories that are floating, floating out there, a lot of rumors that – the cash that some of these kids are being promised, they're not seeing it. You're seeing the transfer portal has a thousand plus kids. The top end guys, they're, they're always going to be able to find a landing spot if you're talented enough. But you just look at, you know, the Texas A&Ms and, you know, the, the Miamis, you know, these are schools that paid high end dollars for their recruits. The transfer portal uh, of those recruits, you know, have been turned around and sped up extremely quick. The one thing I will say to, you know, the fans listening when it comes to Ohio State, even if Ohio State was allowed to play in that field, you're not going to see Ohio State go Texas A&M where they're buying uh, recruits left and right. What the coaching staff would like to do is if they identify a kid that matches the qualities and they think can fit the culture at Ohio State and it comes down to Ohio State and one other school and that other school is offering a sum of money, Ohio State wants to be able to at least get in the same ballpark to make it enticing to say, hey, you know, the kid loves this. He wants to come here. We should be able to push this across the goal line and secure his commitment. 
it's not a situation where Ohio State's going to look at 24-7's top 20 kids and say, hey, let's go and offer each one of these kids, you know, $100,000 to come play here, you know, similar to what you saw, uh, what you see from some of these SEC schools. That's not a, what Ohio State wants. The coaches just want to be able to identify the guys if it comes up and they need to be able to finish, they have to be able to have the resources to close the deal. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Jay Book, thanks for jumping on. I think that's pretty informative for people, and and you even taught me some things. So <laughs> I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man, and uh, thanks. I, I think this was real good. Hey, take care, Pat. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. That was Jay Book, who helps us out over at Bucknuts 247 Sports. He's been on top of all this stuff. Um, if, if you follow him, he puts out stuff on Twitter all the time that uh, is pretty informative about this, and, and he's really gotten into it. So if you're interested in the NF- NIL type of uh, you know, situation, because it's not going anywhere, maybe someday the rules change and, and Ohio State is, is in the right with the way they're handling it. But, uh, yeah, he, he made some really good points about how, you know, this, this situation here is there have been some recruits from, from what we've heard that, you know, it came down to Ohio State, maybe another school or maybe a couple other schools. And, you know, if the money's not there as a 17, 18-year-old kid, especially ones who don't come from money, the opportunity to go to any of these big schools where you know, okay, I can be developed by Alabama, I can be developed by Georgia, I can be developed by Ohio State. Well, if, and I'm just using these schools as an example, but if, if Georgia, let's just say, and, and again, just an example, uh, is willing to offer money up front more so than Ohio state two schools that will develop you, give you a chance to play at a high level, give you a chance to play in the NFL. Why not try and get some money there off the top? And, you know, Ohio state's going to have to figure it out because they are recruiting a really high level. Still. I, I don't have an immediate worry about that. And obviously being in the college football playoff is only going to help things and whatnot. The program in a fine place in the moment, but you're going to have to adjust to, to what changes in the game of college football. And, uh, that has to happen with the caveat that, you know, from the Gene Smith side of things, as I was saying earlier, you still have all the other sports that you have to take donations for and, and whatnot to help fund. Um, you know, you still need to have that. And, and something I forgot to mention when, when Jay book was on sometimes a lot of boosters from my understanding, I don't make enough money to be a booster, but uh, they like to see tangible results. And that often means names on buildings or names on athletic facilities or things like that. Whereas donating to a collective, you know, yeah, maybe that helps get a five-star kid in. um, But, you know, some of these boosters maybe aren't even the biggest football fans. You know, they just, it's, it's a good thing as a booster to say, look, that's my building. I I put the money forth to fund that And, and they can, you know, I don't know what boosters do in their free time, but Maybe at their happy hours, that's what they talk about. So I think that is that is part of the problem. And, and one more thing that I was talking to somebody about the other day when it comes to all this is I think when you look, especially the Southern teams, this is not, not an indictment on, on any of them, but I think the fan bases down there are different than what you are seeing in the Midwest with Ohio State and with uh, you know many schools in, in this region, really across country. It's there are so many people that live in middle of nowhere, Alabama, middle of nowhere, Georgia, middle of nowhere, Mississippi, Florida, not the nice part, things like that where that 
football game day every day of the year they're thinking about Georgia football, Emma football, Tennessee, whatever the case may be. And so their disposable income is is very much geared towards that team, whatever it may be. And I'm not saying that's not true with Ohio State fans, but I know plenty, plenty of Ohio State fans who are diehard Ohio State fans can sit there and talk to you all day. I'm sure many of you listening to this are some of them that also have other things their money is to. Um, and not to say that those people don't, but they are willing to give a lot more than I think Ohio State fans. And I'm not talking about the boosters, but but the the you know regular income Ohio State fans are willing to do at this point, especially given everything else you pay for to, to go to an Ohio State game or buy the gear or whatnot. I think that's a bit of a difference just in terms of the fan culture and, and kind of the situation um, that, that Ohio State has to deal with. And so they've got to navigate that situation somehow. I want to close this edition of Bucknuts Happy Hour by addressing something that I saw on our Bucknuts message board. Um, I'm sure some of you have seen being discussed or at least seen this topic out there. This week, CJ Stroud, when we spoke to him, kind of went on a, a tangent, you would say, about the way that uh, college athletes college football players, his teammates specifically, um, get treated. And I, the, the thread on our message board was basically, it was very long by the time I saw it, and I didn't want to do the whole thing. But the, the idea was that, you know, CJ has more and more kind of gotten in front of a microphone and complained a lot about Ohio State fans or college football fans and, and whatnot. And this specifically was about Jackson Smith and Jigba and Travion Henderson who were you know, obviously criticized by some people on social media for not playing in the college football playoff. Jackson in particular, I know, you know I saw a lot of it from, from our tweets about Jackson not playing, um, that you know, he's soft and he doesn't care about the team and this, that, and the other thing. And you know, personally, I saw it and was like, well, that's not the situation. If you read this articles, read what Jackson put out, this wasn't the case. Um, I heard all season from people that I know that are close to Jackson that said he wanted nothing more than to be out on the field with his teammate and he didn't try and come back twice, even if that meant, you know, eventually obviously getting hurt more. Um, and CJ kind of went off a little bit and I think people have, have kind of attacked him for that. And look, I want to say CJ Stroud spends more time in front of the microphone talking to us in the media, the local media. He does stuff with the national media. He does, you know, Big Ten Network, whatever it may be. He is the guy uh, that, that Ohio State usually puts out there. And he's handled it really well. Um, and I think if you go back and look at Justin Fields, I think if you look at JT Barrett, I'm going to strain Haskins because he was only the starting quarterback for a year. Those guys all were in the same situation as CJ. And all of them had moments where they kind of pushed back against, be it uh, what the narrative surrounding them, narrative surrounding their teammates. Um, you know, JT a number of times got a little contentious about things over the course of, you know, four years of being a starting quarterback at Ohio State. So I think my point is here that all of these guys are people. And when, you know, you, when somebody posts on social media over and over again, you're soft or you're this or you're that, you know, they see those things, whether they turn off notifications or not, uh, that stuff's still out there. They, they're aware of it. And, you know, I think most guys, you don't hear them ever complain about it publicly, 
because they don't have as many opportunities in front of the microphone. And, and CJ is a guy who, A, I don't think he cares much about the criticism for himself, so he's willing to say it. But he's also – he said a lot. You know, there's only so you – know, we talked to CJ Stroud after the Michigan game. We talked to him again at the Heisman Trophy ceremony this past weekend. Then we talked to him again this past week um, when they had kind of a media day at Ohio State. And so when you, you know, that's, that's times he's, he's being asked a ton of questions, a lot of them, you know, not questions he really wants to have to answer. And so, you know, I think it's only natural for him to then have, uh, you know, have, want to defend, especially his friends, but himself, whatever the situation may be. And he's not the only one, as I mentioned, that has done that in the past. So just something to consider. I, I thought it was, it was interesting that at that point, at least as far as I could see from the stuff I'd seen on Twitter hadn't been brought up because we do forget that, you know, these guys are more than just people running around with helmets on that there is human there. And if I get criticized over and over again, you get criticized over and over again, there's going to be some form of reaction and there's a microphone in front of you. You tend to uh, speak out about, it, especially when you're asked about Jackson and Trey. So Anyway, not to end on a down note, but uh, I think we hit on a lot of good things with the Bucknuts happy hour today. We had Timmy Hall and Tyvis Powell on at the beginning to discuss what's going on with the guys, kind of give their thoughts. Tyvis did a great job of breaking down some of the issues in the secondary. Ty- Timmy gave his thoughts on, on a number of different things. And then good conversation with Jay Book, Jonah Booker, who, who helps us out a little bit over at Bucknuts about the NIL situation. And if you missed any of that, go back and listen, because I think it's important. And I think there's a lot of uh, good information in there that, that people, if you haven't followed this closely with NIL, uh, that there's a lot to, to take in from that. So uh, we're going to wrap this one up. Another edition of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We will see how next week goes. Obviously the holiday coming up. I am headed down to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl on Christmas Day that night. Um, we'll definitely do a show from down there. Hopefully I can get Steve Hellwagon and Dave Biddle, who will be down there with me to jump jump in. We can all do it together. Um, we'll at least do one down there. We may do one next week, depending on what all happens. There's obviously signing day, the early signing period, I should say, in between all that. But if you don't hear from me next week about the show, definitely expect one. Uh, in the week leading up to the game after Christmas between New Year's Eve. We'll have plenty of stuff once we get down. We'll have plenty of stuff before then. We talked to, I think, 20 guys yesterday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, excuse me. Uh, no, Wednesday. Thir- 20 players. So plenty of stuff coming on Bucknuts. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning into this. Whether you watched it live, whether you're listening after the fact of the podcast, please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps us out quite a bit. And uh, another Bucknuts happy hour in the book. I'm almost out of beer. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, 
two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.